All right. Well, like we've been saying today, we are celebrating our church's 12-year anniversary. <clears throat> and 12 years ago, my wife and I were a very young couple. We had two little boys, and uh, today we've got six children. But uh, when we started this church, we only had two. And uh, we started in our living room, and of course, my, my family was a part of that. My parents were a part of that. My sister's family was a part of that. And uh, that first service, uh, Brother Ray and Miss Denise Anderson were there, and uh, the, the Gesslers, the Gessler family was, was there, and uh, your daughters are just little girls. I still don't know which one is which, but uh, they're <laughs> twin girls, little, little girls. And uh, we, we started, you know, knocking doors and preaching Christ, like the choir sang. And uh, here we are, 12 years later, and today on our 12-year anniversary, we have over 300 people in church. So yeah. praise the Lord for that. And uh, 306 to be exact. So we appreciate you squeezing in, and uh, we'll get into the preaching of the Word of God this morning. You're there in Luke chapter number 8. And of course, if you've been with us, you know that we've been on a journey with the Lord Jesus Christ. We've been working our way through the Gospel of Luke, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We're actually currently in our study in Luke, in Luke chapter number 13. Uh, Several weeks ago, in fact, I think it was July of this year, when we were working our way through Luke chapter 8, I chose to skip this portion of Scripture, Luke chapter 8, verses 40 through 56, And I decided to not preach on that at that time because I knew that I wanted to preach on it today. I knew that September was our 12-year anniversary, and I felt led of the Lord to preach on Luke chapter 8, verses 40 through 56 at our 12-year anniversary. And to be honest with you, I was kind of happy to skip it back then, uh, and and we're going to cover it today. So if, if you're listening online, if you're keeping up with us on sermon audio or on our websites or on our different social media platforms, uh, you may think that we skipped a part of Luke 8, but that was done on purpose and we're preaching it now. Uh, But back then in July, I was happy to skip this portion of scripture because I'll be honest with you, it's kind of a difficult portion of scripture to outline. And it's, it's this kind of complicated story where you have a man that comes to the Lord Jesus Christ and he makes a request uh, for a miracle, and Jesus agrees to the request and begins to head in the direction for that miracle. But while he's heading there, he's interrupted by a second miracle, which seemingly seems to distract the Lord Jesus Christ. And while dealing with that miracle, uh, the first miracle that he was going to deal with gets worse. And then, of course, Jesus ends up going to the second miracle and that whole thing plays out. And because of all of the interruptions, it's just kind of a complicated story, but I think it's a powerful story. It's a beautiful story. And what I'm going to do this morning, if it's okay with you, I'd like to just walk you through the story, help you understand the story, and then I'll make a couple of applications uh, for our lives, some things that we uh, can learn today. If you're there in Luke chapter 8, notice our story begins there in verse number 40. The Bible says, and it came to pass that when Jesus was returned... And again, it was several weeks since we've been in Luke chapter 8. So if you remember, Jesus has crossed the Sea of Galilee. He was over on the, in, in the country of the Gadarenes, uh, where Jesus cast out a legion of devils. And now he's crossed over, and he has returned. And the people gladly received him, for they were all 
waiting for him. So if you remember, the Gadarenes asked Jesus to leave after he had uh, healed or cast out the devils out of the man with legion. But when he comes over to Galilee, the people are waiting for him. And there's a crowd assembled to greet Jesus in Galilee. In verse 41, we're told, And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was the ruler of the synagogue. And just to kind of help you understand that or put that into the context of our day, this would be almost like a pastor. I understand that a synagogue is not a church, but if you want to think of it in that way, the ruler of the synagogue would be like the pastor of the church or the, 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 the man who's running the synagogue in charge of uh, the synagogue. And the Bible tells us that this man, Jairus, uh, he came, he was the ruler of the synagogue, verse 41, and he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought. The word besought means to beg or to implore, to make requests. Besought him that he would come into his house. And uh, verse 42 says this, for he had one only daughter. Jairus, of course, is the ruler of the synagogue, and he has, the Bible tells us, he had one only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she lay a-dying. But as he went, the people thronged him. So I want you to understand what's going on here. Jesus gets off the ship. He just cast out uh, the demons out of Legion. He gets on a ship, crosses the Sea of Galilee, and he comes to uh, from the Gadarenes to Galilee. There meets him a crowd there, and as there meets him a crowd there, this man Jairus, who the Bible tells us here later on in the story, we're going to say it's difficult to get to Jesus, but I'm assuming that Jairus was able to get to Jesus because of who Jairus was. Jairus was a man that these people would have uh, given honor to, respect to. He was the ruler of the synagogue, and maybe for that reason they made a hole and they allowed Jairus to be able to come and have a conversation with the Lord Jesus Christ, and the conversation uh, went like this. He fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come into his house, for he had only one only daughter, and she lay a-dying. His daughter was dying, and Jairus comes to Jesus asking that Jesus would heal his daughter, his daughter who's on her deathbed. But I want you to notice the last little part of verse 42 there. The Bible says, but as he went, and I want you to notice those three words, as he went. Jesus has agreed to Jairus' request. Jesus agreed to go with Jairus to his house to see his daughter, to heal his daughter, that she might not die. But the Bible tells us, and it gives us uh, this interruption. It says, but as he went, the people thronged him. The word throng is a reference to a large crowd pressing up against. He said there was this crowd, and as Jesus was trying to make his way, the people are pressing. They're so close to each other. There was no six feet of distancing uh, during this time. They're so close to each other. They're, they're touching him. They're rubbing up against him. They're pressing him. The Bible tells us as he went, the people thronged him. And I'd like you to notice, and like I said, this is maybe a little bit of a difficult passage to outline, but if you're taking notes and on the back of your course of the week, there's a place for you to write down some notes. You might want to write this down. We see here in verse 42, an unexpected interruption. 
Jairus has made his way to the Lord Jesus Christ and has made a very serious request. Will you please come and heal my daughter, my 12-year-old daughter who is sick? And Jesus has agreed and has actually begun to head in that direction. He has turned, and as he's going, the Bible tells us, but as he went, the people thronged him. And then there's this unexpected interruption. I want you to notice that there's a connection made. Verse 43, and a woman having an issue of blood. A woman having an issue of blood. Notice how long she's had an issue of blood. Twelve years. But a woman having an issue of blood, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any. I think it's very honest and interesting that Luke, the physician who's writing the Gospel of Luke, is honest enough to tell us that this woman had this issue of blood. And what that issue was, we don't know 100%, but it was some sort of issue that uh, uh, would, would keep her from being able to do certain things in the custom of the Old Testament. She was perpetually bleeding is what the issue of blood is referring to. And as a result, she would be what we might refer to as ceremonially unclean. In fact, just real quickly, keep your place there in Luke chapter 8. That's our text for this morning. But let me just run a reference for you to see it. If you go to the Old Testament book of Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 15, in the Old Testament, you've got the books of Genesis, Exodus, and then Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 15 and verse 25 Leviticus 15 and verse 25, notice what the Bible says. Leviticus 15 and verse 25, the Bible says, And if a woman have an issue of her blood, that's what the same reference being made in Luke 8.43, a woman having an issue of blood. Leviticus spoke to this. He says, And if a woman have an issue of blood, but notice it says many days, meaning more than normal, more than the normal amount of days that a woman would normally have an issue of blood. He says, and if a woman have an issue of, uh, of her blood many days out of the time of her separation, notice what it says, or if it run beyond the time. And this is describing the woman that meets the Lord Jesus Christ in Luke chapter 8 because the Bible tells us that she had an issue of blood for 12 years. Or if it run beyond the issue of, of, of time of her separation, notice what the Bible says, all the days of the issue of her uncleanness shall be as the days of her separation, she shall be unclean. In the Old Testament covenant, in the Old Testament religion, certain things would make you unclean for a certain amount of time. And a woman going through the time of, of, of her natural cycle and having an issue of blood would be unclean for that amount of days. But if for some reason a sickness caused her to have that issue of blood run beyond the time of a regular separation, then the prescription was that she was to be unclean the entire time. And I draw that, and I, and I show you that to say this, if you go back to Luke chapter 8, the woman dealing with this issue of blood had been unclean for 18 years, which means that this hindered her ability to worship, this hindered her ability to be around crowds. Honestly, she should not have even been in this crowd with Jesus because one of the things of uh, being unclean was that you were not to touch other people. 
In fact, when you were ceremonial un, uh, ceremonially unclean, if you were to touch someone else, you were to make them unclean, and they would have to go through certain rituals and washings and to wait a certain amount of time before that they could re-engage back into society. And here in Luke 8.43, the Bible tells us that this woman having an issue of blood 12 years, which had spent all her living upon physician, she'd seen every doctor, she'd gone to every expert, she tried everything that she could do and neither could be healed of any and again i think it's very uh big of luke who was a physician to tell us no doctor was able to help her notice verse 44 came behind him the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years came behind him notice she does what the unclean person should not do and touched the border of his garment referring to the lord jesus christ And notice what the Bible says, and immediately her issue of blood was staunched. That word staunched means it stopped flowing. She was healed immediately. She touched the border of his garment. She she reached out to Jesus as Jesus is turning and walking away, heading with Jairus to heal Jairus' daughter. She reaches out and she touches, not Jesus, just the hem of his garment. She just reaches out and touches a little bit of his coat, and the Bible tells us that she was immediately healed. So we see this miraculous connection that she makes. She touches Jesus, and she's healed. I want you to notice that this miracle is followed up with questions. Verse 45, and Jesus said, notice what's going on here. Jesus stops in his tracks, and he asks this question. He says, who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master. And Peter, you got to love Peter because he always, sometimes Peter says the right things and sometimes Peter just says the wrong things. I like Peter because he's a a lot like us. And in this story, Peter says the wrong things. Now, Peter says the wrong thing, but Peter says what you might say or what I might say or what we might all at least be thinking. And I do think that Peter said what everybody was thinking because Jesus, get the picture, is in a crowd. They're thronging him. They're pressing upon him. Everybody is touching everybody. Everybody is pressed up against everybody. And Jesus stops in the middle of this procession as he's going to heal a girl that is on her deathbed. And he says, who touched me? And Peter says, Master, verse 45, the multitude throng thee and press thee and sayest thou who touched me? Peter says, are you serious? You don't know who touched you, Jesus? Everybody is touching everybody. Everybody is up against everybody. The multitude is thronging you, is pressing against you, and you want to know who touched you? We see the connection, and we see the question, who touched me? Notice verse 46, and Jesus said, somebody hath touched me, for I perceive that virtue. The word virtue means goodness, righteousness, power. He says, I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. Aren't you thankful that Jesus touched you? And aren't you thankful that when we, that when we were sinners, His virtue overpowered our sin. His power overpowered our uncleanness. He says, no, 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 no. 
He says, somebody touched me. He says, I know everybody's touching me, but somebody touched me. He says, with a hand of faith. Somebody, they didn't just press up against me. They didn't just touch me in a physical way. Somebody has reached out, needing, calling, needing my help. They've touched me. He says, I know it because virtue has gone out of me. And you've got to think to yourself. I often teach our church family, when you are studying the Bible and going through these stories, you should put yourself in the story. And at times when you're dealing with different characters, you may want to put yourself in the position of different characters. And I'd like you for a moment to just put yourself in the position of Jarius. Because Peter is asking the annoyed and obvious question. Who touched you? You're asking who touched you? Everyone's touching you, Jesus. Everyone wants a piece of you, Jesus. Everyone wants to touch you and hug you and shake your hand. The, 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 the masses are thronging you. They're pressing. What do you mean, who touched you? And you've got to think that Jarius, the Bible does not tell us this, but you've got to think that Jarius is thinking to himself at this moment, Peter's right. What does it matter who touched you? My daughter's dying. I I came here to get help because my daughter is sick and you want to stop and ask who touched you? Notice verse 47. In verses 42 through 44, we see a connection. In verse 45 through 46, we see a question. And in verse 47 through 48, we see a confession. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, I I like that little phrase because I feel like that phrase tells us something. Jesus stops and says, who touched me? Peter says, what do you mean who touched you? Everybody's touching you, Jesus. Everybody's touching everybody. But here, Luke gives us some insight and he says, and when the woman saw that she was hid, that she was not hid, what does that mean? She, She knew that she could not hide. She knew that she was found out. You say, how does the woman know that she was not hid? And I don't know for sure, and this is just my opinion, and I want to make that clear, this is my opinion. But here's what I do know is that Jesus is God. And that Jesus knows everything. And that Jesus is asking this question, who touched me? But honestly, Jesus already knows the answer to the question. Jesus knows who touched him. And the fact that the Bible tells us that when Peter is arguing with Jesus about who it is that touched him. The woman within her heart realizes that she was not hid. It makes me think, and when I read the story, I think, this is my opinion, that Jesus must have turned around, looked straight at that woman, and maybe uh, with a smile on his face, made eye contact and asked the question, who touched me? Because the Bible tells us when the woman saw that she was not hid... (laughs) The woman knew that Jesus knew it was her. I just tend to think that Jesus turned around, looked straight at her and said, who touched me? Peter says, what do you mean who touched you? Everybody touched you. He said, no, no, somebody has touched me because I perceive that virtue has gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling. And falling down before him, she declared unto him before all the people, For what cause? That means for for what reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said unto unto her. And I want you to notice. Notice how Jesus speaks to this woman. The Bible tells us there in verse 48. And he said unto her daughter. And as far as I can tell in the Gospels, this is the only time that Jesus ever referred to any woman as a daughter. Obviously, this is not her physical daughter. We understand that. But he looks at her and he says, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. 
So I'd like you to notice that we see in this story between the verses of Luke 8.42 and Luke 8.48, we see this unexpected interruption, a miraculous connection, a question, a confession. But I'd like you to notice also in this story that we see an unfortunate interruption. In verse 49, the Bible says this, and I want you to highlight these words in your Bible. In fact, if you don't mind writing or underlining in your Bible, I'd like you to underline these words. While he yet spake. Those are the types of words that you would normally just read over as you read through a story, but those are very important words. Because the author, Luke, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, wants us to understand something. He's trying to get us to make an emotional connection here. While he yet spake is a reference to the fact that while Jesus was speaking to this woman, while Jesus was talking to this woman, remember, he's on his way to heal a 12-year-old girl. And in that, uh, in, in that process of going to heal her, he's unexpectedly interrupted. Somebody touches him, and Jesus stopped and begins an entirely different conversation with a different woman who has an issue of blood for 18 years about how she was healed when she miraculously touched him. And the Bible tells us that while he yet spake, there cometh one from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, Thy daughter is dead. Trouble not the master. Not only do we see an unexpected interruption, but I'd like you to notice that we also see an unfortunate, inter- an unfortunate interruption. We see that there's this request that was made and seemingly the request has been failed. Because Jairus came to Jesus with this question, will you heal my daughter? And Jesus says, yes, yes, I will. But on his way, Jesus gets interrupted and seemingly Jesus gets distracted. And as a result of the time that was spent there, while he yet spake, a ruler of the synagogue, a, a, a ruler of the house of the synagogue uh, of Jairus' house, he comes and he says, it's too late. He says, your daughter is dead. And I think about this guy you know, just how tactful he is with his words. I mean, in verse 49, the Bible says, While he has spake, there cometh one from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, Thy daughter is dead. I mean, what, what a way to break those news, right? Thy daughter is dead. Trouble not the master. He says, It's too late. You've gone from, it's gone from bad to worse. The situation has gone from bad to worse. You're not, there, there, there's nothing to be done. You did not make it in time. And, and you've got to understand this. Put yourself in Jairus' shoes. Why did you not make it in time? Because Jesus got distracted with this other woman. Notice verse 50. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, fear not. When Jesus heard it, he overhears the story. He hears the guy say, hey, your daughter's dead. Bother not the master. Don't worry about it. It's too late. There's nothing that can be done. While Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, fear not. These are the words that Jesus says to Jairus after he finds out that his daughter is dead. Fear not, believe only. Fear not, believe only. Fear not, believe only. And she shall be made whole. And apparently Jairus took that. He accepted that. He acted upon that belief because in verse 51 the Bible says, And when he, Jesus, came into the house, referring to the house of Jairus, he suffered. The word suffer means allowed no man to go in. 
I want you to notice that when Jesus heals, he goes in to, to, to heal this girl, to raise this girl from the dead. He did not allow any man to go and save. The word save means except Peter and James and John and the father and the mother of the maiden. So get the story. The girl's dead. They've already took too long. The interruption took too long. The distraction took too long. She was sick and needing to be healed. Now she's dead. Jairus is told, don't bother the master anymore. Your daughter is dead. Jesus says, no, 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 fear not. Believe only. They head to the house. They get there. And Jesus says, I only want James, Peter, James, John, the father and the mother to go into the room. Look verse 52. And all wept. Why are they weeping? Because the girl's dead. And bewailed her. But he, Jesus, said, weep not. She is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. The word scorn means open ridicule and disrespect. And by the way, I'm not preaching about this this morning, but let me just say this. I believe this tells us that this 12-year-old girl was saved. Because the Bible often refers to believers when they die physically as their body simply being asleep. Because we will see that this girl gets resurrected, but the truth is this, that every believer will one day get resurrected at the great resurrection of the rapture. And one day this body will die. You might say that it's dead, but Jesus will say, no, it's just asleep. It'll wake up one day. Jesus says, weep not. She's not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn, knowing that she was dead. Verse 54. And he put them all out. We saw the request. We saw the ridicule. In verses 51, 52, and 53, they laughed him to scorn. Then I want you to notice the resurrection in verses 54, 55, and 56. And he put them all out. What does that mean? It means he kicked them out. He kicked everyone out except Peter, James, John, and the two parents, the mother and the father. And took her by the hand and called, saying, Maid, arise. And her spirit came again. And she arose straightway. And he commanded to give her meat. And her parents were astonished. But he, notice Jesus, charged them, referring to the parents, that they should tell no man what was done. Say, what is Jesus saying? Jesus says, I want you to keep this private. He said, please don't call the Christian news station. Please don't post this all over Facebook. Please don't, 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 don't go on some TV show. Please don't write a book. He, he, he charged them that they should tell no man what was done. Interesting story. A little bit complicated. You've got to follow it in its sequence. But I want you to notice in this morning what I'd like to do. I've gone through the story. I've explained the story. I hope you understand the story. Now with that understanding, I'd like to make two applications from that story for our lives. The first application is this. What the story teaches us is that Jesus can help anyone. Amen. Jesus can help anyone, no matter who you are. See, in the story, the story's a little complicated. You've got Jesus. Normally, when you read about Jesus healing somebody or performing some sort of miracle, the story goes like this. Someone makes a request. Jesus offers, uh, agrees to the request. He performs the miracle, and people marvel. This story was a little different in the sense that someone made a request. Jesus agrees to, uh, uh, to perform the miracle, do the request. He's on his way to perform the request, and there's an interruption. There's an interruption with somebody else who also needs a request, who also needs a miracle, who also needs a healing. And because of that distraction and that complication, the first request gets worse. The girl that was sick is now dead. 
And Jesus then leaves the second miracle, the second interruption, and heads to the first miracle to finish what he had already started, and he heals and resurrects the girl. And when you compare and when you contrast these two individuals, you find that they are very different. First, I'd like you to compare them. Do you understand that nothing is in the Bible by coincidence? Nothing in the Bible is there for no reason. If it's in the Bible, it's there for a reason. What's interesting to me is that as you look at the story, you see two individuals that need healing, need miraculous power from God. One is a girl who is a daughter. Luke 8.42 And he, Jairus, had one only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she lay a-dying. The other is referred to by the Lord Jesus Christ, the only time we know in Scripture that this happens, as a daughter. Luke eight forty eight, And he, Jesus, said unto her, the woman with the issue of blood, daughter. You say, why does Jesus do that? I think Jesus does that because he wants us to make a connection between this little girl and this lady. One is a daughter. One has a father that is coming to uh, make a request for his daughter. One does not have a father. And in fact, Jesus and God through the Spirit takes that position and calls her daughter. Notice both are referred to as daughters in the story. That can't be a coincidence. I mean, would you agree with that? The one time that Jesus calls a woman in the entire Bible daughter, he's interrupted while going to heal somebody's daughter. That can't be a coincidence. I think that's there for a reason. I want you to notice something else that, in my opinion, cannot be a coincidence, and it is this, that both have a reference to 12 years. The Bible says in Luke 8, 42, and he, Jairus, had only one daughter about 12 years of age. The first girl is 12 years old. As far as we can tell, she's had a good childhood. For 12 years, she's been a healthy, vibrant girl. Her father obviously loves her. He cares for her. He's enjoyed her for the last 12 years. But then this other woman, verse 43, we're told, and a woman having an issue of blood, 12 years. That can't be a coincidence. It can't be a coincidence that the girl that needs to be resurrected is 12 years old, and the woman that interrupts the resurrection has had an issue of blood for 12 years. The reason I wanted to preach this sermon at our 12-year anniversary is because it spoke to me in this idea that our church has been around for 12 years. And one thing that we need to understand is that in our church and in our community and in this city, though we've been around for 12 years and praise the Lord for the 12 years of ministry He's given us, we need to understand that like this woman with an issue of blood, there are people who are out there who since the inception of this church for the last 12 years have been needing help They've suffered with sin and bondage for 12 years and praise God that we're here. But let us always remember that there are people, as long as our church has been here, there are people who, like this woman with the issue of blood, have been dealing with issues for 12 years. And there are also people, like this 12-year-old girl, who in their own minds maybe have not needed us for the last 12 years, but starting right now, they're going to need us. See, there are some people in this community who've been dealing with things for 12 years. They've needed us for the last 12 years. And there are some people like the little girl who've not needed Jesus for 12 years. I understand we all need Jesus, but seemingly have not needed Jesus, but they're going to need Jesus now. 
You see the comparison. Both are referred to as daughters. Both are, have a reference to 12 years. Those cannot be a coincidence. But what I'd really like you to notice is the contrast. Though they both are represented by the 12-year mark, and though they both are represented by this title, daughter, these two could not be further apart. Their contrast is bigger than their comparison. You say, what are the contrasts? Well, here's the contrast. Got, one got worse when Jesus got involved. One got worse while the other one got better. I mean, when Jesus got involved, Luke 8, 42, she lay a-dying. She was sick. But after Jesus got involved, verse 49, thy daughter is dead. Contrast that to the woman who the Bible tells us in verse 44, when she touched the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood was staunched. So one, when Jesus got involved, got worse, while the other one got better. That's not their only contrast. I want you to notice that one was well-connected while the other was completely broke. I mean, one was a 12-year-old girl with a father in a position of authority, a father in a position of responsibility, a father who had connections that allowed him to get to Jesus, that allowed him to make a request, that allowed him to get Jesus the Messiah to agree to come to his house to heal his daughter. One was a girl... Very well connected. A man named Jarius, her father, the ruler of the synagogue, came and made a request for his one and only daughter. The other one in verse 43, we're told that there, she was a woman having initial blood 12 years, which had spent all her living upon physicians. Neither could be healed of any. One was well connected. The other was completely broke. One was young. The other was old. One had been suffering for 12 years. The other had been living relatively healthy for 12 years. Here's the point that I'm making. When you compare these two women, you compare this young girl and this, and this woman, you find that there are some things that we can compare, but there are so many more things that we can contrast. How about this one? One was dealt with publicly. The other one was dealt with privately. Look at it again, verse 47, Luke 8, 47. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling and falling down before him. And notice what the Bible says. She declared unto him before all the people. This was done publicly. For what cause she had touched and how she was immediately, how she was healed immediately. One, the woman with the issue of blood was dealt with in a public matter. Jesus stopped in the middle of a big crowd looking at her, I think, looking at her and said, who touched me? And when she saw that she could not be hid, she came forth trembling and she declared unto him before all the people. Her miracle was done publicly. Jesus made sure of it. The other girl, privately. Verse 51, he suffered no man to go in, save Peter and James and John and the father and the mother. Verse 54, he put them all out. Verse 56, but he charged them that they should tell no man. I mean, when you look at these two characters, you see that they're so far apart. One is old, one is young. One has been healthy for 12 years and just now needing Jesus' help. One has been unhealthy for 12 years and has been needing Jesus' help the entire time. One is well-connected, one is completely broke. One is dealt with publicly, the other is dealt with privately. These two are completely as far apart as you could bring two people. You say, what is it that Jesus is trying to help us? Jesus is trying to tell us that he is available to help anyone no matter who you are. 
You say, you don't understand, Pastor. I didn't grow up in the right home. I'm not like some of these kids. I didn't grow up. Hey, look, God is for you if you grew up in the right home, and God is for you if you grew up in a bad home. God is for you if you're rich or if you're poor, if you're black or if you're white. If you have a lot of issues and you've been dealing with complications for 12 years or if you've relatively been pure and just now needing his help, hey, it doesn't matter who you are. The lesson from the story is that Jesus can help anyone. Rich or poor. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in His sight. Amen. Jesus can help anyone. No matter who you are, Jesus can help anyone. You say, I've been struggling for 12 years. I, I, I wish I would have found this church earlier. I've needed this church. Hey, Jesus can help you. And if your life is relatively good and just now starting to fall apart, Jesus can help you too. He can help anyone. But I'd like you to notice, secondly, this morning, there's another takeaway, another application that I'd like to make. And it is this, that not only can Jesus help anyone, but Jesus can help everyone. I've asked Brother Andrew if he would not mind playing this song. It's called, Pass Me Not, O Gentle Savior. It's in your hymn book. If you'd like to look at the words, page number 281. The reason that I asked him to play this song is because I think this song really highlights for us what the Bible is trying to teach us in the story. Like I've said to you, this is a really complicated story. You've got Jesus on his way to heal one person interrupted and distracted while healing another person, the one that he was first going to heal, dies. And then he leaves the second and goes back to the first. And at the end of the story, both are healed or both are fine and both are doing well. And I think that when you look at the story, what I, when I look at the story, what I think of is this song, Pass Me an Auto Gentle Savior. Because if you put yourself in the position of the woman with the issue of blood, she doesn't have any connections. She can't say, make a hole, and people make a way for her to get to Jesus. She's pressing and clawing and trying to do everything in her power to get through this throng to get to Jesus. As she, I, I imagine that as she's looking at Jesus, she sees this conversation between Jesus and Jairus, and she sees Jesus turn and begin to walk away from the crowd and begin to walk towards Jairus' house. And in that moment, she reaches and she touches the hem of his garment. And I just think that if we could stop and listen to what was going on in her mind, if we could stop for a moment and listen to what was going on in her heart, if we had a spiritual stethoscope and we could listen in to the words of her heart, we might hear her sing these words. Notice there, if you got a hymn book, page 281, look at the first stanza. I think it really highlights what this woman was saying. Notice it. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Hear my humble cry. Look, look at it. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. I mean, can you just imagine this woman? Saying, Jesus, I'm glad, I'm thankful you're going to go heal that 12-year-old girl. That girl needs to be healed. But while you are calling on others, do not pass me by. Don't forget about me, Jesus. Look at the chorus there. You know the song. Sing it with me. Savior, Savior, hear my humble cry. 
While on others thou art calling, do not pass me. Now, I want, I want you to notice this. Jesus stops, begins to talk to the woman who reached out to him. Do not pass me by. Do not pass me by. And as a result of that interruption, while he yet spake to her, another man comes and tells Jairus, trouble not the master, your daughter is dead. And you got, you got to think, what was Jairus thinking? I wonder if Jairus was thinking to himself, hey, Jesus, great, I'm glad you healed this lady, but don't forget about my daughter. Please, do, do, do not pass me by. The Bible tells us in Luke 8:50, when Jesus heard it, that he said, fear not, believe only. He told Jairus, fear not, believe only. Fear not, believe only. And I don't know what was going on in Jairus' heart. I don't know what was going on in his, in his mind. But he must have believed Jesus because the next thing we know, they're on their way back to his house, to his dead daughter. And I just wonder, I just think that if we could listen in to the mind of Jairus, to the heart of Jairus, if we had a spiritual stethoscope and we could listen in, we might hear his heart at that moment sing these words. Look at, look at stanza two. Let me at a throne of mercy find a sweet relief. Kneeling there in deep contrition, don't miss it. Help mine unbelief. Sing, sing the chorus with me. Savior, Savior. Hear my humble cry While on others thou art calling Do not pass me by See, what, what I think is interesting about this story Is that what makes the story complicated Is actually the main thing that I believe God is trying to teach us what makes the story complicated is that this man comes and makes a request, will you please heal my daughter? And Jesus agrees and begins to turn in that way. And then he's touched, and a woman touches the hem of his garment and interrupts that interaction. And Jesus seemingly gets distracted and begins to deal with this woman. He asks, who touched me? And she comes and confesses and he tells her, you've been made whole. But within that distraction and when that time, the girl dies. And someone comes and tells Jairus, trouble not the master, your daughter is dead. And both of these individuals, I'm sure at one moment, their heart expressed this thought, don't forget about me, Jesus. Please do not pass me by. And I'm just here to tell you that this lesson teaches us not only that Jesus can help everyone, but that Jesus can help anyone. And even when you feel like Jesus has forgotten and he's been interrupted and he's been distracted, he won't pass you by. He has the power to both help anyone and he has the power both to help everyone. If you would simply fear not, believe only. When I think of the story, what I think about is the woman like the woman with the issue of blood. She's been struggling for 12 years. And the answer is at Verity Baptist Church, not because we're special, but because we simply preach Christ. And she's needed this. And it's our job to find her. She's been struggling for 12 years and she needs our help. And then I think of Jairus' daughter. Well, maybe in her mind has not needed anything. But just now her life is starting to fall apart. 
And you might say, my last 12 years have been the the greatest 12 years of my life. But now, right now, my life is starting to fall apart. My marriage is starting to fall apart. My children's relationship with my children is starting to go into disarray. Things are getting out of control. And I'm just here to tell you that he will not pass you by. Jesus can both help anyone, rich or poor, young or old, well-connected or completely broke. And he can help everyone. He will not pass you by. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the story. I realize it's a little complicated, maybe hard to follow, and hard to outline. But I pray you'd help us to learn what you're trying to teach us. That Jesus can both help anyone and Jesus can also help everyone. And sometimes we may feel like he's forgotten, like he's distracted, like things have gotten worse since Jesus got involved. But help us like the hymn taught us, he will not pass us by. Father, thank you for the last 12 years of ministry that you have not passed by so many of us. You have saved us. You have cleansed us. You have blessed us. And Lord, I pray that you would bless the next 12 years as we reach people with the glorious gospel of Christ. In the matchless name of Christ, we pray. Amen.